This is a message from the ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debrecen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrecen.com. I'm really, really happy to be here today. Actually, it's especially for me because uh, many years ago when I saw uh, a pastor in front, I always thought, wow, that's, that's powerful. That's, it's something that maybe I won't be able to do it. But now, here I am. I was afraid, uh, but I know and the Lord has put this seed in my heart. So definitely once I was, I remember talking with Pastor John a couple of years ago at the beginning of the International Baptist Church. Back at that time, I remember when once he preached and he said something, I'm quote, quoting his, his words, that every person who has been touched and transformed by the power of Jesus is actually a priest. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to wear a collar, but you are a priest. So actually, the book of Peter says it, says it uh, even better. We read in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, of course, I'm not claiming that formal studies or theological degree are not important. It's not at all. Definitely, they are really very important, actually. But being here in front of you, I don't claim that I'm a preacher, but I would say I'm more like a servant. So, and thank you for the Lord for this opportunity. So, uh, and actually, I'm responding to this call as well, like in Luke 12, 48. We read that Jesus said, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. So actually, I have been so blessed in my life in, since I accepted Christ. My life really changed 180 degrees from the person I used to be and who I am now. So I, I, feel, I feel that this is the time that I have to give a little bit of so much that the Lord has given to me. So let's start then. Uh, we have started a series about the unseen realm, and definitely it's, it's a bit challenging to, to address and start for me this uh, preaching, but I will do the best I, I can for, for the serving of the Lord. And last week, actually, Pastor Romain gave a deep introduction about Satan and his evil plans to persuade, corrupt, and pervert humanity. So, and actually it's illustrated very well in the book of Job. Uh, today we are continuing this line by focusing particularly in two pa uh, passages, uh, especially regarding uh, when Jesus cast out demons. So let's start by reading Luke 8, 26 to 37, where Jesus sends demons into pigs. Also, we find this passage in Matthew 8, 28 uh, to 34, but it says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said him with a loud voice, what have, you, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he could break the bones and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter this. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down to a steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. 
Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized in great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. Well, there is a lot of information here, right? It's not that easy to digest. Especially, it's difficult not to focus on the supernatural part when Jesus cast out demons for a man who was actually, you know, he was naked, he was living in a graveyard, he was isolated, and he has been tormented physically and most likely psychologically by demons. But, you know, usually when I read that passage, it was like, wow, it's, it's wonderful to see that part. But the question that actually we should start to ask is, how did, did this man come to reach that status? I mean, what happened in his life to reach to that point when he was completely naked, just being there alone, isolated, angry, or being hostile to others? So what happened there? Definitely, uh, it doesn't happen from night to day, right? Definitely, usually, it's that step by step, you start to, let's say, depart from God, and then you are actually letting in the evil one into your life. My formation, or let's say I work with usually with spiliotems, it means stalagmites who grow in caves. And when you go to a cave and you see a nice, beautiful and tall stalagmite, those actually grow drip by drip. It's not like immediately you, there is a big flooding and then the water enters into the cave and then you get a big stone or this calcite forming uh, uh, rock there. It's not like that. It's drip by drip that the calcite precipitates and then starts, starts to form until you reach stalagmites more than two, even three meters tall. So there are, there are cases in China, actually, like that. The tallest is more than two meters height. But imagine drip by drip. Again, that is the point. It's not like there is a, to reach that status of you, I mean, of having issues in your life or having this, uh, let's say, this demon somehow, or these evil spirits in, with, I mean, uh, let's say, uh, being inside or, or in you, it's because you somehow open, open doors. And actually, one door leads to other. So this is the point I want to, to, to address today, because usually there are many doors that you open for, for the devil, or let's say these demonic spirits. For today, I will address uh, mainly two of them, which are, I think, the most widespread, the most I would say popular in a sense, and really uh, that we, uh, we have been tending to normalize these things. The first of all is actually what is called divination or witchcraft. And the second of, uh, second of, of it is sexual immorality. So I will address the two of them. Let's start first with divination. So divination actually is the practice of seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by supernatural means. So, actually, it means that usually it involves esoteric or some satanic acts, usually. So, this is actually not a new practice. And as Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 1 to 9, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. This is the part. So, it's not like this is something new that we said, okay, we scrub out all of this esoteric stuff. No, it has been. In since the beginning of humanity. Unfortunately, this is a fallen world. And it has been in really present in, since uh, ancient times. In fact, in the Old Testament, we found in Deuteronomy 18 to 10, there shall, be, there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter or as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer. Or what we read also in 1 Samuel 15, 23. For rebellion is, is as the sin of divination, and presumption is an iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Now, let's go to the New Testament, and we find this practice actually in Acts 19, 18 to 20. Also, 
many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic, magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it, uh, found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So, as we can see, this divination and these uh, esoteric arts are really not tolerated under God's eyes. That is for sure. And there is an important point here, because if God actually commands not to do something, it's because we can do that. So, actually, God doesn't say, okay, please don't commit adultery because you are not capable of it. It's logic that he gives a command because we are capable of doing that. It means that we are able to, to contact the unseen realm. And that is a fact. So we have to be careful with that. The sad part is that people don't take it seriously. And even Christians, we, we actually sometimes think that this is actually outdated. For instance, uh, and this is, I think, a reason why maybe I'm here talking today. Because unfortunately, I come from a beautiful land in my country, uh, Ecuador, but let's be general in Latin America. It's so sad to see that people, they attend church in the morning. Usually, most of us, we, we are born in Roman Catholic, uh, let's say, environment. We attend the church, or people attend the church in the morning, the service, and then in the afternoon, they have an appointment with the, with the let's say, with the person who reads the tarot. Or someone who is a local witch, and they, co they contact them to cast a love spell to trap a person in a relationship. And this is serious stuff. And people don't realize that. So instead of actually focusing on praying to the Lord, no, we go to the local wizard because he has a most promising, uh, let's say, offer to, to us. And to give you a local example from my country, uh, Ecuador is beautiful. It has beautiful lands. And we are proud of our indigenous communities there. It means they, can, they cannot preserve their uh, local customs or traditional customs. However, there are some tribes which uh, are isolated on the northwestern part of the Amazon basin. So the Amazon basin is huge, actually. You know, Brazil has most of the part. But uh, then it comes Peru. But then you go to the north, there is the Ecuador. There is the equator there. And then Ecuador is there. So there is a tiny part of the Amazon region there. And there are really indigenous tribes who still, uh, they want to be isolated. And they are also hostile if you want to uh, reach them. Actually, there is a nice documentary about it, and I don't know if you are aware of this movie, The End of the Spear. So there were, hi, that, that actually movie happened, or that uh, fact, or that uh, history happened in Ecuador. So these tribes actually killed some uh, evangelic team, actually, who tried to contact them and change their, uh, I would say, uh, this, the murdering practices that they were doing there. Some of them actually accepted Christ and they now converted and understood that that is, a, that is a sin, that they are really killing each other. But not everyone. And there are others who are still hostile. And, but what has happened and has become a bit trendier is that uh, you go there and actually it's being now advertised like a nice tourism service. Recently, actually, you know this actor, Will Smith? Quite famous, right? In his biography published last year, he somehow mentioned that he was struggling after a while with uh, you know all of this uh, working he was a workaholic and everything and but successful at the same time but at the end now he reached the point that he is depressed he stopped finding joy in what he does so he started to become uh, let's say or lose the motivation for his work so he started to explore the world actually he was in budapest i think like two years ago or something you know trying to find spots doing things for him to revitalize his his life and he actually traveled to peru to contact these local uh, tribes to do what because there are there is a ritual there uh, spreading these those communities which is called the ayahuasca it means there is a shaman who actually goes and he contacts he contacts the, the unseen realm because he drinks a, a beverage and then he somehow is uh, enlightened. And then he starts to carry out, a, let's say, a ritual with the person and then 
somehow he, he claimed in his book that he regained the motivation and everything. But that's dangerous. Okay, that's dangerous. It's, it's been sell as a nice tourist attraction and you will have fun and everything. But we are really, we think we are smarter than the people. But it's not like that. Those things are real. I know also from some friends uh, when I was a student during my masters, I talked with some classmates from, from Africa, or especially from Nigeria actually. I remember and other guys who told me that there are still these uh, castings, I mean casting spells. This is a common thing among some cultures. So again, we, are, we have to be careful with that. It's, it's not, it should not be taken lightly. So I'm, I'm bringing this to you for, as, a warn, as, as a word of caution on that. Um, the, also, the interesting part, or what I am a bit concerned, is that we, are, we keep normalizing these things. I mean, the contacting and seeing that the, these civil spirits are not uh, a big, they are not a big deal, but we can somehow live together happily, right? But it's not the case. And now I give, give you a much more local example. In a Bible study, once there was a nice question. And it was like, which is the, from all of the categories, you know, for movies, which is the one that you like the most? So let's say it can be comedy, it can be, uh, let's say, action, it can be, uh, I don't know, anim animated movies, etc. Which do you think was the most frequent, uh, let's say, um, let's say, uh, genre, which uh, was more popular among the students? Exactly. You're right. It was horror and thriller. That was the most common and by far the most uh, preferred by the students. Or let's say the audience, I would say the students, okay? Just not to be <laughs> that, uh, let's say, harsh with the students, okay, with, with, the, with the audience, okay? So what does it mean? Which are the main topics that are being depicted in those type of movies? Usually it's that you are contacting the unseen realm because you are somehow uh, were involved in some, especially the uh, this uh, Ouija board, I think that's the name. Exactly, so that is, it's being portrayed like that, that is just an innocent game, that you can just gather with your friends and do that. And then something bad happens and then there is a spirit who comes. But what is also more shocking for me, it's to see that in those movies, it's portrayed that the demons are so powerful that even priests or even a pastor cannot really uh, command them to to return to their, uh, to their place, I would say. So usually the pastors or the priests are killed. That is the common theme on that. And it makes you to feel that they are really powerful. But we know the truth. We know the truth that they are already condemned. Why are we afraid about that? So that is something that, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting to see how we are really normalizing this. And now it's being promoted, even the age for in some countries for those movies to be, um, let's say, to, or the minimum age to, to go to a cinema to watch those movies, it has been lowering. So before maybe it was un over 18, now maybe it's just under 15. So something like that. It's, it's, for me, it's, it's really, uh, say, um, I'm really concerned about it. And we should be concerned about it. Uh, so, and here an important point, because there is a strong correlation with the amount of horror which is presented or you watch and the potential psychosis that you might develop. You know, psychosis actually is a symptom that affects the mind where a person's thoughts and perceptions are disrupted and they may have difficulty recognizing what is real and what is not. Here is my point. I remember being in that trap when I thought, okay, I am now, a, I'm growing, I was a teenager, reaching 17 years old, and thinking, you know, now I, I can watch those movies and prove that I am becoming a man, you know, really silly boy, not at all. Because I remember watching those type of movies. At the beginning, they seemed like, okay, I could, I'm strong, I, I resist these things. Not really. The more I started to watch, the more fear I developed in my heart. And I started to feel that someone is behind me, watching on me. Really, I don't know, hopefully you haven't experienced this, but I started to have that sensation that I didn't even want to just switch on the light or go to the toilet because I felt that something is behind me, something is watching me. So this is the risk and this is the danger on these things. We are just opening the doors for these things. You know, we are a normal person and then you start to develop this 
psychiatric uh, no, or this uh, feeling in your minds that there is someone behind us. There is another warning here with video games, the same stuff. Now, no, but before I remember th those games, okay, there was Tetris and maybe I'm getting older. Now there is, if I see the latest video games that have been released, it's, it's crazy what's happening. I'm sorry to say it, but it's, it's going like that. Now kids are more, or all of those themes about esoteric stuff is being put into the video games. And we just accept it, like, okay, it's the normal thing to do. And those are the ones who are the most sold, right? Those are the ones that we like the most. Wow, so something to, to reflect about it. Now, let's move now to the second door that I wanted to address. And it's still related with the, the first one. You will see why. Which is about sexual immorality. You know, sexuality is a sacred wedding gift to the human beings. It's any expression, any expression of it outside of those parameters constitutes an abuse of God's gift. So actually, adultery, premarital premarital sex, pornography, and homosexual relations are all the contrary to God's design. So actually, that makes those things sinful. Uh, but the Bible is clear and really gives us a straightforward answer in Matthew 5.28. And it says, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in her, in her heart, with her in his heart. So here I want to connect with the previous one about video games. Again, the video games are not what used to be before. Now, if they bring this topic about esoteric things, they also bring some nudity, I mean, or don't, some sexual immorality on it, most likely. The warning I bring here is because there is a strong connection that research shows that the earliest you are exposed to these kind of images, they, the longer you will be hooked in the future when you are, you are an adult. Most likely, if you are exposed at the early ages to really strong image, you will still remember that. Because the first experience is something that you will never forget. I'm, I'm really sure that the first time you have your first kiss, you will still remember, right? Because it's a new experience in your life. And hopefully it has to be done in the proper place with a proper person. But when you just take that lightly, and you are that curious and naive, and you are not properly guided, then here is the danger. You are opening a new door for that. So again, be careful with that. Be careful with what you watch. The Lord doesn't tolerate uh, this kind of immorality. And here is not like, okay, I just watch this. Uh, this content is innocent. You know, it's, it's just soft, soft form. It doesn't exist. It usually escalates. Because you start with that, and then it immediately, you are hooked. And now you go from this, let's say, kind of innocent material, and now you reach what is crazy zone. Because it's like that. This is, you actually are unleashing what is called the dopamine, uh, dopamine uh, hormone. So, which actually is the, actually the hormone of the novelty. This is why we like to go continuously on that. So we have to be careful with that. So this is my, my word of caution on that. Also, there is a nice, uh, if you have the opportunity to watch it, there was an interview. There is a famous uh, psychologist, family psychologist called Dr. James Dobson. He conducted an interview with Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was a normal person from outside. He was a university student. You look, it is like one of us. He was a really smart guy. He was a, a good-looking man. But there was an issue with him. He was a murderer. He used to entice women, and then he used to rape them and then kill them. So it's crazy. He, he did all of that unnoticed for many years because he looked just as a normal person. And then in his interview, because he was condemned to die in the electric uh, chair, he talks that apparently everything started when he discovered a porn magazine. But for some people, maybe, that is an innocent thing. And you, some people say, ah, boys will be always boys. It's not like that. Maybe for some people, that is the beginning of, uh, or is triggering a pattern of addiction. For others, maybe no, it will be alcohol. For others, it can be sugar. Every person is different because God gives us different qualities. 
we have to be careful. So always to be good friends. A good friend is not the one who invites you to do this, those kind of things, to watch uh, this kind of content. A friend is who tells you, look, this is not good for us. What are we doing? So that is the key here. Now, I, um, I want you to also address an important fact. Uh, nowadays, I'm also, or we are being bombarded by the word so-called inclusion. So I'm addressing here homosexuality. Uh, and if we read Leviticus 20:13, it says that if a man lies with a male, as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. And I'm bringing this particular uh, verse from the Bible because two weeks ago I was listening to Bashad and uh, preaching and he mentioned or he cited uh, one particular character from the Lord of the Rings book. It was Gandalf and he mentioned that God's timing. I don't know if you have the chance to to listen to that sermon, it's really encouraging, so I invite you to, to even rewatch it. It's available in the application. And he, you know, he was talking, okay, the Gandalf and that character and J. Aral Tolkien, you know, famous Christian. But uh, what for me, what I was thinking is, wow, beautiful. In the, we see him in his acting role as Gandalf. Wow, it's such an important character. He is personality and good advice to, the, to Frodo. But in the real world, so in the real life, he's gay. He actually, <laughs> and that's the interesting part, he actually does the following. When he, uh, in an open interview, he mentioned that when he goes to a hotel and he sees a Bible on, his, uh, or the, on the chair or on the desk next to his bed, he particularly tears apart that verse, or let's say that uh, let's say, uh, page from the Bible. This, which contains Levit Leviticus 20:13, because he cannot stand what it says, that it's an abomination to have sexual, se I mean, that uh, have a sexual inter uh, homosexual intercourse. So well, that's the thing, you know, uh, in, the, in the movies it's portrayed as such a strong character, but in the real life, unfortunately, that's sad, of course, I uh, should not be happy about it, but yeah, he has declared that. He's uh, one of the main defenders of uh, LGBT agenda in the world. So it's really sad to see, to live this double life somehow. Now, but uh, what the Bible says about it actually, and we should understand that all of this sexuality and sexual immorality uh, is not tolerated. And we have to be, here is either white or, uh, white or, or black, so you are, you accept it or you don't accept it, but don't don't play with it. Like okay, don't be lukewarm because it's even worse that part. So First Corinthians six twelve to twenty says, "All the things are lawful for me, but not all the things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both, one and the other." The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up with, by, by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her. For, as it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits, it's outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. I think it's straightforward and clear, right? Exactly. So I invite you to reflect about it because it's not an easy topic, I know. But uh, we have to make the decision about it and really ponder what, how are we, where we are. And for that, really, the Bible is our standard. Usually, most of us uh, are involved in 
in our studies, we know that how do you evaluate if something is deviated from the truth? Let's say you conduct an analysis, right? You, you collect data. And then how do you know how far is your data from the real standard? So you, you plot, right? Based on a standard, and you plot you, your samples. And then you see, okay, I am so deviated or I have that such a standard deviation from the truth. The same is here. So how do you align your life? Evaluate, have a standard. The Bible is the standard. And then you see, okay, this is the Bible, and here I am. Do I align to what God says about sexual immorality? Okay, good. Um, I will continue on this because it's not an easy topic. Or I am far, so let's accept it and I have to start to change my life. So align yourself with the Bible and read what it says. Don't take it lightly. Now, the second part, I will bring now, uh, I'm still in the same, li in the same line about the unseen realm. But now it comes a bit to, to the parents, and you will see why I'm saying that. Let's read Mark 9, 14 to 30. We also find this verse in Matthew 17, 14 to 19, and Luke 9 to 37 to 45. But okay, but let's read Mark 9, 14, 30. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And some from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to be with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the body. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him. I never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them he's so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. And when he didn't want, and he didn't want anyone to know. Now I will complement this with a, a passage from Judges six twenty-five and thirty-two. I know it's a bit longer, but bear with me because it's a good point. So Judges six to the twenty-fifth to the thirty-two, it says, "That night the Lord said to him." Take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the good of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servant and did as the Lord had told him. But because he, has too, he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down and the Asherah beside it was cut down and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, 
son, the son of Joash has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, bring out. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, will you, will you contend for Baal or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death for, by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerubal, that is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he broke down his altar. So, why I'm reading these two long passages here? There is an important point I want to address here. Because if you, if you pay attention to Mark 9, 14, 30, and this one, judge, Judges 6, 25, 32, there is another character which appears here, and is the father. In both cases, this time is not like, in the first case, Jesus is not just casting out uh, an evil spirit from the boy, but it's actually the father who brings. And he's, Jesus is asking, you know, what happened with him, or since when he, he has had this uh, possession? He said, since he is a child. And in the second case, now Gideon is commanded by God to cut the Asherah pole, which was a tribute or a, uh, let's say, the, or an altar to, to this deity for the, for in this case, for the uh, people there. Um, it's also a, a Baal, which was, a, let's say, a spirit somehow that they thought would be their God. So with they, they were praising him. So, and the interesting part is that in the second case, the altar was actually in the area or close to the house of uh, Gideon's father or Gideon's family. This is what the Bible says. It means that this time it's not because the, the person really opened the door. It was because the parents did something that now is bringing or opening this door for the devil or these uh, spirits to enter into the family or into the house. And usually that is, uh, this is what I, I want to bring here. Because if we read in Judges, it's so interesting or funny to see that now the father, he is the one actually, the real guilty of having this pole there. And now his son is about to be condemned, but now he's like the hero. He pops up and says, no, no, come on, what do you want to do with my son? He's not guilty. He, he, he tries to defend his son, but he should have defended him from the very beginning. It means not putting that pole in his, or close to his house. And sometimes this is what we are doing, or we should not do as parents. Not to even let enter the, or open this door. We think that, or we like to show publicly, like, okay, our family is fine. We like to brag about it. Okay, we are successful and everything outside. But inside, inside of the family, sometimes we don't even communicate with our kids. And that is the sad truth. Our kids don't need scrubs. They need quality time. That's the point. So... This is what I'm bringing here. And sometimes parents we could be silly. And I'm bringing this, especially because the audience is, uh, or you are a young generation. But one day you will, be, you will become a father or a mother. But if you don't resolve these issues who are affecting your life, then be careful because you might think, okay, when I, once, I, once I get married, all of this is going to disappear. Not really. It gets worse. Because just assume that, let's say, you are involved or you have an addiction. Let's say you have addiction to alcohol. Just an example, okay? And you think, okay, when once I get married, I will settle down and these things are going to be erased from my life. Maybe when you, let's say, have a hangover, okay, you, the next day you just were late for the school, you maybe skipped a couple of classes, and it's fine, you, you recover, right? You're still young, you can keep even the party later. It's fine. It just took you one day. Once you are married, if you do the same, you, now, you are not skipping school. Now you will be skipping actually your workplace. And you have the risk to lose your job. And now you are not dragging only you, you are dragging your family with you. And you have to be really extra careful with that. Because there are little ones who, if you have kids, those will be the little ones who will suffer a lot to see you uh, there 
completely laying down on bed the whole day, not knowing what's happening, arguing probably with your spouse because there is no money there. So there will be much more struggles. So you're opening one, you open a door and now more doors are opening. And coming back to the first example of the, uh, this guy in, who was possessed by the legion spirits. So one door opens to another one. So this is the, uh, the point I want to make. Be careful with that. So now, this is the time. It's never too late. There is, uh, uh, there is, there is hope for that. But you have to make the decision to accept Christ. Because Christ is the only way how you can overcome these things. No matter how many psychologists or psychiatrists or therapists uh, you go, you are going to just give your money because you are going to have a relapse, usually. Unfortunately, it's the sad truth. The, the, you have an addiction, you, there are really high chances that you will have a relapse. But you have to tackle the problem from a different way. This is why we need Christ. And now, I'm going to give you an interesting example that to see how, how downgrading it is when we open these doors to the, to, to the devil. And especially, particularly with an addiction. There was a nice research done by Natasha Schul. She's actually, she has been, he, she has been working uh, in addiction regarding to slot machines in casinos. So this researcher actually, she went to Las Vegas to see what is happening there why people some usually forget or they lose track of the time and their money. What is happening there? So she conducted a more than four years research there in, the, in Las Vegas Casino. And just to tell you a fact, actually from the, the casino never loses, that is for sure. But actually the machines or the, yeah, the machines who bring the most of the profits, seven to 80%, are not the normal blackjack or the other or the roulette. It's actually the slot machines. You know, there is the before. I mean, now our day are more sophisticated, but we used to see like big, uh, let's say, with a big screen. Now here you have a lever, and you just used to see some fruits here or some the signs. You just pull the lever, and you just waited for the reward, and then you just see if you want something or not. So the that was the common pattern. And she actually interviewed many gamblers there or people who were addicted to those machines. And the, she realized that the architecture of the casinos is really well-crafted. So it means this is the reason why people lose track of that time. Just to give you an example, if you enter to a casino, or if you have seen it maybe in pictures, you will see that there are not uh, right angles in the carpets. Usually, they don't, you don't, let's say you are walking straight, but you don't turn left or right. They are not right. Uh, 90 degrees angles for walking. Usually they are smooth, okay? Because research shows that when there are uh, strong or sharp turnings, you start to make more conscious decisions or you are more aware of things. Another example, the ceiling is not that high because you don't want to be seen. When you go to the, in this uh, case, to the temple or the sanctuary, you will see that we have a high ceiling, right? Because usually at churches, we just want to be observed. We want to be exposed. It's logic. We want God to see us. But at the casinos, the ceilings are low. It's because of that. We want to be in a, a comfortable or a little incubator for our addiction. The same. There are little cubicles, you know, for you to be there. And the most particular part is that they are dark. Or at least not, the light is not that shiny. Because those things are being like that. They keep you hooked in that way. But what is shocking for me is to see that she showed or she interviewed and she uh, asked the person, uh, I mean the cleaning lady, she asked uh, how is the cleaning there and everything, and she was shocked when she got to know that people are so engaged in the game that they even do their, their, their peeing there next to the machines. So there is a particular team of cleaning ladies who go at 12 to clean that because they don't even go to the toilet. And that doesn't surprise me. Uh, when you are so engaged in, uh, for instance, the video games, you sometimes even lose track of the time and you don't go even to eat. There are, I remember reading research that uh, some kids in Asia, they were so addicted to the video games or so engaged in the games that there was one case that one kid jumped from the, from the, uh, from the building 
from the night uh, story building down to the street because he was engaged and he thought he's one of the characters in the game. It happens where you're so engaged, you lose track of time, you are tired, you are not nourished, so what is the outcome? Death. What is what the devil wants, right? So it's, it's horrible how this downgrading. So when we read the, going back to the first chapter about the, uh, this demon-possessed person in Gerasenes, what happened with him? You remember, he was naked, he was living isolated, he was living in poor conditions. Just, I want you to ask, it, it happens when you are not walking with God. This is what happens when you are just living yourself, isolating yourself. So that is why the Lord wants us to uh, come to him. Because there is, a, there is a way. God is the light. Jesus is the light. And we should be exposed. And, for instance, we read in John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We also read in John 8.12, again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And in John 9.5, Jesus again said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So, this is the key. If you have any problem, if you are opening this door to the devil or evaluate your life and be exposed. It means talk with some of us because here is not about that you are, don't, don't think that like, uh, here at the church is like the world because the world somehow tells you that if you show this, you are weak. You, you, are, uh, you are not strong, you, you are not a man. Or, Etc. So that's not the case. Here we are. Here, uh, we want to to pray for you. We want to really show that there is salvation. That no matter what you have you have done, Christ already paid the 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 price for you for our salvation for that. And we know that we can overcome this. So you are not alone. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth and the life. And Finally, let me read what actually Paul says about it and how we should fight against it because there is a way and the key is prayer. It reads in Ephesians 6, 10, 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with. Amen? So, to conclude, I remember, and maybe Ishvan and Hassel will laugh a bit. <laughs> we know that Hassel is a person who likes maps. Ishvan leads a bit more visual. He likes really good videos. I don't know, I was thinking, what should I say? <laughs> it's just funny, but uh, I think I would say I would be practical. These things affect, it affected me one uh, time in my life before I, uh, I accepted Christ. And I know how it is. I have been in those shoes. But I'm here now giving you a testimony, a testimony of, uh, of hope that no matter what you did, but there is hope on this. And no matter those struggles, those you can just give to Jesus. And he can really save your life. He can change your life in many aspects. But here is like, a tree. Now we are. A tree is nice to see; it bears good fruit, but also it has to be pruned. Okay, and you have to do the same in your life. 
you have to prune the branches who are not giving fruits, who are actually dragging you, who are really keeping you to give the best of your abilities to the Lord, who are keeping your talents aside. Don't be, don't be afraid of that. God gives you talents. God gives you the strength. God gives you the wisdom. But if you are walking with him, but if not, it will happen like Samson. Samson, if you read it, he was such a mighty judge for Israel. But what happened with him? He lost his eyes because of he was enticed. And it didn't happen again. People say, ah, oh, because he, he lost his power because his hair was cut. Wrong. It happened because he stopped walking with God. Step by step, he was enticed by beautiful women, and then he walked the path to death. So it didn't happen again from night to day. It's step by step, as I mentioned, drip by drip, day by day. Every action counts. And then death comes. So avoid that. Stop that. Jesus said, even if your hand, if your hand, even your good one is causing you temptation, just remove it. Take it out. So the final practical advice from me. Cut these things. Cut things that are really, or the scenarios or atmospheres who are creating this temptation to you. Or talk to us. Open this. Because the devil wants to keep that as your little secret, dirty secret there. But you feel guilty or you feel filthy, actually, when you, when you are on, the, on that path. No, just talk about that. Talk about openly. For sure, I'm not saying uh, just disclose with everyone or post it in social media. It's not the case. Just reflect about it. Ponder about it. But pray about it. And, let, and if you feel prepared, just let us help you. This is why we are here. Uh, sick people need a doctor, right? Jesus said. So not just the ones who think they are healthy. So all of us need Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for giving us the strength, the wisdom, and in particularly to to recognize that we need you, Lord, no matter in which stage of our life we are. Even if we are young, we are kids, or if we are adults, or we are old. Not, Lord, we always need you. And the more we grow, the more we realize that <laughs> this is a falling world. So let us not to follow the world. Help us to follow you in everything we do, Lord. Help us to be transparent, crystal clear in your actions, because the strength comes from you, Lord. Thank you for that. Help us not to mislead others. Help us to be good friends, good parents, good godparents, good uh, colleagues. Lord, give us the, give us the that that power, that power of your word. Help us to uh, provide the encouragement we we should, and help us not to be afraid of the evil one because he is already defeated. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today. If your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do, please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com. Better yet, we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand. We look forward to welcoming you 